So welcome back to the episode of A City Life Uncensored with our boy David Allen, local Pittsburgh entrepreneur, but fashion icon here locally, well-known, been crushing it for years. Uh, yeah, I had the privilege of following and watching everything Dave's been doing. I mean, he's super active, obviously, in the Pittsburgh area. So, yeah, welcome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you uh, having me here. And likewise, I've been following your journey as well for years. And it's uh, I just enjoy people being successful, and I enjoy uh, people building culture. And I've noticed you guys do a very good job at that. So it's fun to be here. So appreciate that. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite exciting for me to have you here, too. Again, following your journey, it's cool to hear you say following ours. But uh you know, I get jealous every time I see the cool photos of you making these sweet suits for all the, the celebs. And the. I grew up watching WWE wrestling, and I know you got you got a bunch of them as clients. So I'm excited to kind of dive into your story and, uh, you know, provide to our listeners a bunch of good, good content about how you've grown your business and what you're doing. Something totally different than real estate, which we talked about, is going to be super cool for us and for everybody here, man. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's get rolling here, bro. Absolutely, like, yeah. uh, You know, I always like to start off with uh the come up as i call it right like we've all had such different journeys to get where we're at and i'm sure we'll dive into a lot of different pieces of that but i'll let you kind of kick it off and you know give us give us a scoop what what, what you got how did you get to where you're at man yeah so you know my whole life i and probably you guys as, as well um first grade i started my first business i was selling i'd go to gabriel brothers if you remember the store Gabe's, and, uh, yeah, man. yeah it was fantastic <laughs> well, and uh you know we didn't have a lot of money growing up and and so with two siblings my parents would take us there my mom would take us there to shop and i started buying candy in bulk there okay. and i would take it to first grade second grade throughout <laughs> elementary school and i'd nice. buy a box of skittles for 50 cents or a dollar and then flip each pack for 50 cents a pack. Yeah. Um, and then I love that so much. <laughs> fast forward, whenever creepy crawlers were a thing back in the day, I used to wow. sell those. So I'd sell spiders for 10 cents and scorpions for 25 cents. I ended up getting in trouble and, <laughs> and they shut me down early on. Um, <laughs> I've just always had a knack and an interest in building and, and doing things. Um, so, you know, I've had an interesting story. Uh, no background in fashion. Everything's pretty much been trial and error. So you, um, you grew up in Pittsburgh, Yeah, right? I grew up in the South Hills in a small town, Finleyville. Okay. And then I went to Ringgold High School. Okay. Um, from Ringgold High School, I went to Duquesne University. I uh, played football for a couple years there. And uh, my initial goal out of college was uh, I wanted to be a stockbroker and uh, sell stocks, move to New York City, and, and do the whole Wall Street thing. Um Barely graduated college my sophomore year. I had a point four and a point six GPA. Um, was it was not good. Um, I was getting ready to say we relate, but now you're back to relating with Brian. Over there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, it's it. Uh, you know, I, 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 my entire life, I've never found anybody that I worked for or um, that was a teacher in some capacity that I felt should have been teaching me. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I just never felt that they had the characteristics or the know-how and knowledge to to be educating me. I, For whatever reason, I just gravitated towards learning on my own or just figuring things out. Yeah, I think, doer. Yeah, I think there's something there that is in probably all three of us here yeah. is, is you just like to get things done. Uh, and I don't like listening to people that haven't done things, um, and they're the ones explaining things. So I've just had a difficult time in school and never had any interest in that. Um, so... After I kind of scraped by, I got a two point one at, at Duquesne, so I barely uh, made it by. Yeah. Um, it was it was it was embarrassing. I almost dropped out of college and joined the Marine Corps, um, just because at that when I was failing out, I just had I was like, this is the end. Like you know, you're supposed to go and get good grades, yeah. and I wasn't doing that. Um, fortunately, I graduated. Um, my goal was to be a stock bro- uh, stockbroker in New York City. I got a job for uh, Federated Investors actually, okay. mm-hmm. so I worked there for three months. Um, took my series seven test twice and I got a 57 and a 54 and the second failure, they just let you go. So I remember going and taking the test and I just took all my stuff from my little cubicle and I was like, yeah, I probably not gonna have a job come Monday. Um, (laughs) So, so right out of college, you know, I had a nice job, a good opportunity. And and then I lost that. I was unemployed for about three months. Um, and then uh, I got a medical sales job right out of the gate after that. So I was super lucky. A guy I played football with in college said, hey, you know, this startup company is looking to hire. Um, so I just sent my resume. He was able to kind of pass and navigate that for me. Uh, so at 23 years old, you know, I, I wasn't making, I was making 35 or 40 grand a year. 
Um, but I was traveling the northwest of the country. So my territory ran all the way out to Alaska, um, you know, North Dakota, South Dakota. Wow, okay. So, I mean, I would just look at a map and I'd say, hey, this week I want to go try to sell stuff here. And, and I've, I've been pretty much all over the country. Um, and I knew my ticket at that point when I started seeing and understanding me the medical sales world, um, the opportunity financially, guys making 500, 700, a million dollars a year slinging medical equipment was a dream of mine. Um, and I had cousins in the industry, so I knew a lot about that and, and that's what kind of made me really get into that space. So when I took that first job, they weren't paying me well and they were taking, you know, commissions that I was selling and kind of keeping it. Uh, but I just knew that I had to just swallow my pride and deal with yeah. that just so I can get yeah. enough experience that once you hit that two to three year mark, you can really make that plunge. Yeah, to whether true. there or you move over to another company that the commissions are higher or whatever. I'm a little bit familiar with the industry. It's a crazy opportunity, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it really is. It, 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 it changed my life. And so after I was unemployed for about three months, um, got that medical sales job, did that for about 12, 13 months, and then I was fired again. So the second time I lost my job within a two-year window. Couldn't sell, huh? You know what? It was crazy. I was, I think the looking back, it was the fact that I was spending so much traveling and I wasn't bringing in that type of volume. And I should have, I should have never been traveling the yeah. way that I was. The, the extra day in every single spot every that you time. went every single week. Yeah. I mean, I went to Alaska for four days and I had one meeting there, so it really wasn't the... Well, you, so we used to, when I was at Ernst Young, my first couple of years out of college, we had trainings and they were always local. Yep. What we would do every time was not be able to make the local training so that we had to hit a training in another state and then we would go to the another state and we would be travel with all the locals. Yep. Everything was free. We would stay an extra day. We'd expense everything. Like, yeah, the, the tricks and the trades of, <laughs> yeah. of taking now, advantage now, of the of the big employers, right? Now as a business owner, you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you should be doing yeah. that stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't realize all those expenses. I mean, probably created so much opportunity though. Like just seeing yeah. even different markets, just knowing like being able to sell in Alaska, yeah. North Dakota, every state. I mean, that's well, I bet you too, amazing. which I'm sure about to get into it, right? It probably helped you realize you're not, you know, you're not happy. Right? Yeah. So you're going to all these different places, yeah. seeing opportunity, like mentally, the reason you're doing that is you're trying to figure out what you want to do. Yeah. Right. Like, and I think that the, to that point, the travel and just expanding your horizons, it, it really yeah. shows you like there's a lot of stuff out there. Yeah. And I think I saw a stat the other day, 80% of people in, in America have never been on an airplane. What? Um, something, something That's pretty crazy. insane. Wow. Um, crazy. which makes sense. I mean, I know people, I do a lot with some charities and, and unfortunately some of the, the kids in the charity organizations haven't been two miles from their house. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, we so, just take it for granted, right? That's, yeah. That's what's crazy about it. Yeah, for sure. So, um, so I, you know, after I lost, I got fired for that, you know, 13, 12 months in, I uh, was unemployed for another three months and I uh, had that conversation with myself again, like, you, you know, what's wrong with me? Why can't I keep a job, you know, doing all this <laughs> stuff? And, you know, you look back and you realize why, why I lost it and everything, but um, three months passed and then I, I kind of got my first opportunity in, in quote, the bigger medical sales world where I was selling contact lenses to eye doctors. So it was pseudo pharma, but they considered mm -hmm. the medical devices. Um, and I think I went from making 30 grand a year to like 95,000 at, you know, 24, 25 years old. So I was nice. super happy with the growth. They give you a car allowance, all that stuff, pay for your gas. Um, so I started making some, some good money and some consistent money. But also I knew in the back of my mind, the big medical jobs that were, that were out there. And that was always my goal was, Hey, okay, this is just another band aid. do this for a year, two years. Now you finally have that quality mm -hmm. experience to, yeah. to get another job. And I did that for, I think, 22 months. Um, and then I just said, you know, I'm just going to start looking for a, an opportunity and a job somewhere and try to really land one of these big time jobs. As I was simultaneously looking for that bigger medical job, I started playing around and starting companies on the side. So okay. at that point. So now, so now we're getting the entrepreneurial journey a little bit. here. Correct. I mean, obviously, you always had the niche and the knack and probably were doing stuff that you don't even remember that you were yeah, doing for a while. Sure. I remember him. He still says stuff that he was doing, these random businesses. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. yeah. You just, you try, I mean, if you have it in you, you just try to figure stuff out. Yeah. I had lawn care company, all that stuff. And you just, but, uh, stupid me, I spent everything I ever made. Um, <laughs> you, know, any, you know, whether it was drinking and partying on, as a, as a, you know. I'd go to the bar with $400 <laughs> to my name and spend 500. Yeah. That dude, I was the king of that, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, looking back, it is what it is. I don't regret any yeah. of it. Um, but yeah, so I just, I, one thing I noticed when I was traveling the country, I was, I, I golfed a lot. So I would go into, um, I'd golf these nice country clubs or these nice just courses in general. And I would see friends that I would go with and they're spending $150 on a Nike polo just cause it had the golf course logo on it. So I just mm -hmm. said, you know, I, I, I wear suits every day. A lot of the people that golf are suit suit wearers. 
I said, but not one time is there ever a pro shop that sells neckties with their country club logo on it. So I said, I think I could probably build a little business around custom neckties that we sell to a country club, then they resell it in their pro shop to make money. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I called my brother and I called two buddies from college and we started a, a, company, a, a necktie business to start. So we did two, two different businesses. One was the general stylish neckties. And then the other side of that was um, the custom nature of business. So we did ties for Giant Eagle, for Get-Go, and we just put some logos on them and did a bunch of other stuff, a handful of golf courses throughout the country. But I got frustrated because we did it for two and a half years or so. And every time we had a meeting on a Monday, I, I can expect a text at like noon for a four o'clock meeting. Hey, can we push it till tomorrow? Or can we push it till Wednesday? Why, why was that happening? What, real quick, at what point in your career were you still, were you on your own at this point? No. No, you were I, still working. Okay. Still work. Yeah, this is just kind of the start of really getting into okay. everything. Okay. So this was probably 2010 ish, 2000, uh, uh, 2012 time frame, right around there. Um, but the reason was my three partners, they did not really take it as serious as my intentions were. Mm -hmm. So like if, if at, you know, 20, we're 24 years old at the time, 25. And if something came up and they wanted to go drink or go do something else or just not, not do anything because they had a long day at work, they would want to skip the meetings. Yeah. And I, I, you realize, like, we're never going to get there if this continues to happen. Why do you think in the first place you went to them to, to help you join or start or grow the business? Honestly, that's a really good question. And the reason was just from a comfort standpoint, yeah. I wanted to do it with someone else. Yeah. Um, and that actually is a really good question because it, it... I mean, at the end of the day, I, I'll break it down, right? It, it was probably a little bit of fear, right? Fear of the unknown. And so if you have people in your corner that you know, like, and trust... You get a little bit more comfort to be able to go and you can get success and traction getting it rolling, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, com comfort. And then with that, you have shared money. Mm -hmm. So you're not fully risking it on your own. Yeah. Also, building with friends is really, really cool. Yeah. But then you realize, like, my friends now are, are people that I've either knew in the past but never really had a great, great connection with. Um, but they're people I've met through business. And um, what that taught me was... At the end of the day, if you're going to do something, you got to do it on your own a lot of the times until you really, unless you're with the right person, the right mentality, it takes a unique individual to be able to commit to doing something because it takes so long to get that progress and people are such a now, now, now gratification. People talk about it all the time, right? It could be, well, they say two things, right? One, it could be extremely lonely at the top, right? It's an ongoing thing. And two, it could be extremely lonely to be an entrepreneur because, you have a different way that you're thinking and it's extremely hard to get other people to realize that the way that you think is the way you want them thinking or vice versa. Yep. So it's really hard to bring that together to, to take off to your point of they weren't into it as much as you were. Right. Like, and yep. part of that probably was, it was your idea. Yeah, for sure. You know? Your so. idea. And plus, plus the, yeah, if you grew up with them and like you guys probably were partying, yep. you guys had like your relationship was just different. It wasn't your relationship wasn't within business or building businesses. Your relationship was from, party and hanging out yep. being good friends doesn't necessarily always make for best business. Yeah. 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 And, and no, that's actually another good point to that. Yeah. It was just, it was people I liked spending time with, yeah. not that they were the right person or the right fit. They were all, it's all you knew at the time correct. too, right? Like yeah. you didn't realize, Hey, I probably need to find someone that's very like minded as me, not my buddies that I like partying with, right. right and hanging out with. Yeah, yeah. So, so we, we did that for a little bit. And then I remember one time, um, so we were still doing that. Um, I started looking for a new medical job. I was ready to make that plunge to try to get the big paying medical job. Uh, so I went online, started applying for a couple places, and um, I, there was a job selling cameras and lasers to eye surgeons. So it was in the same field that I was in, selling to the same doctors that I was selling to, already had rapport and relationships with. And I, I was just like, shit, I should just try to see if I can make this happen. Um, sent an email out, man, to a recruiter. And within like a couple of days, I got a call back. And I think for that job, the salary was like 65000 but at plan was $225,000. And yeah, I was- you hit, know, your, hit your sales goals. Yeah, yeah, I was 26 years old. And I was like, this is my dream, right? Top sales reps that I knew were making 800000 a million dollars a year. Um, so I knew there was an opportunity for that upside of business. Yeah. So I ended up, I was the youngest person to get hired at that company. Nice. Um, I remember going to the first like sales meeting and I was like, holy shit, these guys are like guys and women, like they're intelligent, like they're very savvy business people. It was a different level of, of quality of individual that mm -hmm. I surrounded myself with mm -hmm. at that point. Um, so then I started shifting the mindset of like, all right, let's keep building this on the side. Um, but now I have an opportunity to make a boatload of money. And um, 
so that was exciting, right? The op- the opportunity was potentially there. As I'm as I'm getting into that that company selling the cameras and lasers, I started getting frustrated on more frustrated on the necktie side. So I was wearing suits all the time. I started buying custom suits in New York, Chicago, L.A., working with people that were um, uh, selling to celebrities and athletes in those cities. What what made you get into wanting to buy? So like. You know, I came up through having jobs and I came up having to dress nice and I never cared enough to go think about trying to get a custom suit. So what made you at that point in time like, hey, I'm going to go find custom suits or I'm going to go to New York to shop for a custom suit to, to wear yeah. to look? I mean, all the people I worked with, you, you was in an upper echelon of mentality. Look, look good, feel good, play good, yeah. right? I noticed that the top sales reps dress the best and I noticed that the top surgeons dress the best. So why I would go to New York in these places was we typically would have a, a medical conference in, at a convention center in Chicago or in um, the Javits Center in, in New York. So while I was there, a couple of the guys that I would work with said, hey, I know a suit guy here, let's go and get some suits. And that's kind of the start of yep, that. Yep, makes sense. Um, at that same time, I saw a necktie. Uh, somebody was wearing a necktie on, on television that if you tied it a certain way, the knot was a different color. So I was like, all right, that's kind of cool, but it's it's gimmicky because it's one necktie. You can't switch it up. You, if you have a bright green knot here, you're going to know if you wore that the next day. Yeah. I was wearing the same five neckties every single week, seven neckties, switching them out. So I had very little clothing at that time. Uh, so I said, I, I love that idea, but I'd love to take my favorite five or six neckties and turn that into a hundred neckties. So mm-hmm. shut down. I called my partners. I said, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm not interested in doing this necktie stuff anymore. I'm going to go branch out on my own. So I, um, hold on. How'd that go? Um, like, the, like I want to, I want to dive in a little bit, at least give me a sense. How did the conversations go? Like, I mean, probably wasn't just an overnight I'm done with you, but like, cause are you, are you still friends with them? Like, how did that go? Right. Because partnerships can be tough and ending them. Everybody talks about how amazingly difficult they are. And they tell you, advise you, Hey, be careful getting into them because they're hard to get out. Sure. of. So, yeah, no one with my brother was one of the partners. Um, him and I, we went through some stuff through our life, just like any brothers. A couple times we, we'd stop talking, um, with that situation in particular, I think everybody got frustrated with each other. Um, then I, I started seeing them doing some stuff on their, their own too. Um, four people in a business partnerships tough too. It's brutal for people who's in charge. Yeah. Kind of like it's re- four is really, really four's, hard. Yeah. And we yeah. were all equal partners. So yeah. at that point it's like, you're, you're, it's the pointing game too. Right. Um, the two, the two buddies of mine from college, one, I don't, I, we, we did just, we, we look at life differently, completely different. Um, Shout out old loser buddy. <laughs> um, he's since had a couple businesses that have failed. So um, not that I want that for anybody, but. Uh, sorry for your businesses failing, bro. Then <laughs> um, the other gentleman, man, we just kind of you go different ways. Yeah. He got married, had kids. Um, and then my brother and I, um, that was hard. But I also knew like we weren't doing anything. There was no volume. There was no substance behind it. So I didn't really take it personal. You know, I think the, the, the two friends of ours, it got a little conflicting. The one the one guy that I don't talk to anymore, him and my brother had a, had a little bit of a big issue with each other. They disliked one another. So that was hard for me to be in the middle of that. From stuff. from everything that happened. Yeah. yeah. It, it, that that kind of got a little nasty. Um, now it all, looking back, it makes sense why things kind of positioned the way that they did. Um, so it really wasn't that challenging because we yeah. didn't have anything to split or it wasn't about. like you were doing yeah. 20 million a year Correct. in sales yeah, yeah. i mean yeah, it was, you, yeah, you had another job yeah i'm likely one of them had another job oh, everybody well. everyone had jobs yeah, so that yeah. wasn't like it wasn't like you guys were like me and case are fully engulfed in our business sure like the, the split that'd make it a little bit difficult but i think yeah, we, we also own, we also own close to 80 million dollars worth of real estate together now too so it also make it a little tough yeah, that'd make it tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure for sure um but yeah, so we all had our own thing, and it was just like, yeah, whatever, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I went out on my own, and I was I was trying to come up with my first patent, and I um, I wanted to create interchangeable necktie knots. So um, I called this lady that I knew from back home, one of my friend's moms. Did you have Did you have support or mentors or like even some of the higher up sales reps that you became friends with? I mean, was there anything, or was it you back to you, just kind of like personally motivated and going? I've never had a mentor. Um, in my life. Um, even, even now I should say there's a couple people I may bounce some things off of. Um, and that's fair. Now I do, um, up until last year, 
I really had nobody that I was comfortable going back to my early point that I was mm -hmm. like, this person really knows what they're doing. And we, you got to think too, that bubble of time frame was when digital marketing really started sniffing around and getting started a little mm -hmm. bit. Yeah. So it was so new and different. Um, at that point, it was like shelf space was a priority. So we, we, we started the neckties at a, at a point where shelf space was a premium in that era where it was trickling out to you slowly starting seeing uh, the direct to consumer push on product. So it was, a, it was a, it was a good and bad timing to start what we're doing with that. Um, so I, I called this lady back home and I said, I have an idea. Um, I don't have any idea if you can do it. I just, she was a seamstress mm -hmm. and I said, this is the general idea. I want to have a, a piece of fabric with elastic around it that can go, a necktie could pop through it. You slide it up and it sits properly and it looks just like it's the knot not of a necktie. Not. So she called me two weeks later and was like, David, I think I have something for you. And I remember going and, and picking it up off of her. And that was my first like, holy shit, like this is this is what I wanted. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah. And it was the shittiest thing I've ever seen. It was just, <laughs> it was, it looked like a little G string um, with cheap vel uh, fat, um, elastic on it. And I still have it framed at my house. I have all those pieces, like the evolution of that product. Yeah. Uh, so I said, this is perfect. So the coolest thing I love you. I mean, I literally, the, the G string changed your life. It did. Yeah. It did. That's why I wear one right now. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, so oh, we're going to have a video. Come on. <laughs> G strings coming soon. Yeah. The end of this year that's coming out. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So, so then I was like, all right, are you willing to spend your free time after you go do seamstress stuff all day to make these for me? So I built a little, you know, crappy website for it. And, um, I, I would, Hey, I got two orders today. Would you make these? And then I, you know, yeah, next week I'll get them for you. So I'd have to wait a week, go get them. Yeah. Then I'd get five or six of them. Hey, can you do this? Yeah. And then I just got to the point where I was like, I can never grow a business if it's taking this long to actually make these things. So next thing, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm now still in that new medical role. So I have a lot of stuff going on. I'm traveling the country three, four days a week. I'm on the road. Um, and then I'm coming home in the evenings, weekends, doing 100% focused on uh, creating. It's called the, well, it is called the proper knot, what we're rebranding it for this year, actually. Um, so then in the evenings, I would do work on the side projects. And one day I just got frustrated with her because she was taking too long to make them. And I'm like, I'm look, if you're going to build a business, you need to turn a product now and get that to a consumer quickly. So I just ended up buying a sewing machine and I went to Joanne Fabrics and I just started teaching myself how to sew. Wow. Uh, so I freaking work all day and <laughs> sew all night. Sew all night. Um, there were times on a weekend I'd be getting lessons at Joanne Fabrics and there's a 70 year old lady next to me and, uh, you know, I was 26 at the time. Um, wow. So it you was, actually learned your business. So you actually, yeah, so yeah you can actually sew. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. What a, what a good piece of information that is. It, so you yeah. literally went and said, I'm going to learn how to sew. Yeah. Because I, if I was going to... I mean, this is why you have a, a good, high, great opportunity to really push yourself out there in the medical sales world and make a boatload of money yeah. on that side. You're over here sewing on the weekends at Joe and Fabrics, learning yeah. how to sew. My, my thought was that if you, if you don't know how your product works, functions, the interlacings of everything, how are you going to be able to grow it and make the product better? So, I mean, the first time I started sewing the, the proper knot... The first one took me, I mean, the, before I even got them, it was mistake after mistake. The first one took me an hour and 45 minutes to sew. And it was this little piece of fabric. By the time I actually got consistent and, and good enough where I was comfortable selling them, it was 11 minutes per, per proper wow. knot. Okay. So it really shows you um, the, the challenge. There. I mean, there were times where I'd sew them and then I'd stitch the final stitch and I'm like, oh shit, I sewed it inside out. Then you have to start all over. You do that three times for an hour and a half each time. It gets pretty daunting for you. <laughs> I don't know. I would lose my mind. Oh, yeah. Hour two. It I'd was, probably lose my mind talking to the lady at Joe and Fabric. So like, <laughs> like, sewing while yeah, doing it. So she's the one who taught you how to do something. Essentially, yeah. And then YouTube. Okay. Um, I spent a ton of time on YouTube just like, hey, how do you do this? Here's the sewing machine. What do you do? How do you thread the needle? You know, how do you do all these things? Um, and then at that, I was in that transition where a lot of my friends were getting married, bachelor parties, vacations. I gave up all that. I stopped drinking. Yeah. Um, you have to, right? I mean, what else? I mean, with doing that on the completely on the side, you have no choice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I didn't, I didn't want to, A, I didn't want to spend money that I didn't need to spend. 
And then B, I didn't want to waste the day hungover, and I didn't want to waste the day just messing around and doing something that wasn't productive. You, you said right from a mentorship, you didn't really have that, right? I think, a, you know, I've always been motivated, but a big change for me is getting around other like-minded people. If you didn't have a lot of mentorship, like how are you able to keep yourself motivated? At that time, I and it's crazy, you know, I don't really, I never really thought about that. Um, at that time, it was just me. I went through a six year stretch where it was like me alone for a long time in some really dark, challenging times. And, and a lot of that started in the beginning of the suit business. Um, I, I think for whatever reason, and I'm just thankful I have that in me to just yeah keep going, keep going. Um, sports played a big role into that growing up and everything. I was always active in sports and captains of teams and stuff like that. And, um, I, I just, I didn't have friends that were hustling like that. It was, Right before the craze of being an entrepreneur, right now everybody's an entrepreneur, yeah. um, especially on on social media. Yeah, hey, I'm not going to go to work today. I'm just going to sit on my Instagram, and now I'm an entrepreneur. Right? <laughs> That's what it is. It's yeah. crazy. Um, which again, hey, cool, man. I I was that person at one point too. I just kind of kept going, but I I was so alone, man, for a long time. Um, and I guess that's probably a good segue. Like, so after that product kept going, um, you know, I'd sometimes go two days without sleeping. Because um, you're still sewing. I yeah. mean, probably the business is picking up. I yeah. mean, it's the same amount of manufacturing work that you're doing alone at this point. Yeah, correct. So I, I, I literally, man, there was a, a stretch where it was two days. I slept, five, not that big of a deal, but slept five hours in two days. Because um, I, I had to do an all-nighter. And then the next, uh, I was doing uh, proper knots for Live Nightclub um, in Miami. And all the staff started wearing them. So one of my friends works there. And he got me a, a contract with them to do some product. So I was like, hey, he's like, hey, I need these as soon as possible. So I just said, all right, cool. Like, I'm knock on to bed tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, had it done by 7 a.m. And then drove up to Buffalo, New York the next day to, to sell medical equipment. Um, but the, the big thing was, like, you know, my, my first year in that business, I made, like, $236,000 or something when I was in the medical space. Uh, the second year was my highest W-2, which was, like, 252000 or something. And I was 27. And then I just stopped caring about money because I was like, all right, I, I just sold this. Um, now next year I have a new quota and I'm still a good sales rep, but now like the industry is changing. So it's getting harder for me to sell because competition or reimbursement was getting cut by insurance companies. So doctors were getting pissed off and not wanting to buy expensive product. And I was just like, cool, I'm just going to keep doing this and just half-ass it because if, if I make 200 grand a year, it's still a lot of money. You're ghosting it though, right? Where yeah. you're just enough where you don't get fired you make some money yeah, yeah so the one one time i had a realization that i i was just like man money's not everything was i had a meeting in harrisburg and i did i drove out there in the morning i uh, left my house at 5 30 and i started getting into podcasts pretty heavily back then um and that's that was that was probably a bigger mentor than anybody to be honest with you was the podcast that i was just i had so much windshield time from from territory to territory that i would just sit, i'd never listen I, Stop listening to music. I wanted to soak up education. I love it, man. And I was driving to um, to Harrisburg, and this doctor that I was really good friends with was supposed to buy this piece of equipment, and I would have made like six or seven thousand dollars on it. And I get there, front desk lady who I know well, she say, "Hey, doctor, so and so, he doesn't want to see you today." I was like, "And we had a meeting set for nine a.m. Like he doesn't cancel." Yeah. I was just like, "Okay, here's my business card. Just let him know I stopped, got my car, and drove right home." just because I wanted to listen to podcasts. And I was like, man, I, the old me would have, there's no way that lady would have stopped me. I would have been in the back. We would have closed the deal and we would have moved on. And I just kind of stopped caring. And I was just like, I'm going to only do this when it's easy. And outside of that, I'm going to focus on my other stuff. I started realizing at that point, it was time to, to figure something out. Yeah. So to the point of me getting suits in New York, Chicago, and so on, this is where this kind of registered was I, I could see the proper not growing, but I was never going to grow that thing fast enough. You know, my bills were $8,000 a month at that time, 7,000, whatever it was. Um, we just built a house, just paid off a student loan, uh, paid, built a $500,000 house, paid off a student loan that was $110,000. So I basically had no money in my bank account. So I was like, I just stick with this a little bit longer Mm -hmm. um, because you just, you know, another year you'll pad your bank account. You'll be, you'll be good to go. Yeah. And if you, if you were able to figure out that mindset of, Hey, I'm over here, this is what I'm focused on, but this is paying me, paying the bills, do it enough to pay the bills. Then you can get by. Correct. Right. Like you can do enough to get by mentally because you're focused over here. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And so the next goal was, all right, cool. Like, I now have to figure out how do I find a product that I could sell that has a higher margin, 
that I could sell less of those um, and get out of my, my day job. So when I was buying these suits in these cities, I was never super happy with the product. It was cool because I got to pick and design it, but I, I never liked the finished look on the product. So I, I didn't understand that process well enough. But these people that I were, was working with were selling to the Chicago Bears or, you know, um, in Manhattan, the gentleman was selling to a lot of like pop artists and stuff. And I was like, if this guy who's my age is selling this, like he's not doing a good job at it, at least with me. So if he's able to do it, why can I why not do I? this? Yeah. So I, I ended up going to google and we try. really really appreciate the shitty salesmen and selling suits in new york by the way that's right no we yeah. appre- i appreciate you guys with all the support man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that we, guy I, that yeah. guy created you at the end of the day right <laughs> yeah for yeah. sure for sure yeah. um you know so i just went home and i was like time to get to the google machine and figure it out again and my goal was never to build a suit company initially it was can i i was wearing suits every day so can i sell suits to friends of mine to make a little bit of money that I can give them a fair price suit and then I can get a free suit off of that. And that's why I started playing around in that space. To, were you going to create them or were you going to almost just kind of create an arbitrage where you're buying something and selling it enough to create a margin and to have it? Essentially brokering a, a yeah. product at that point. Um, yeah. So I, I ended up finding a manufacturing facility in China. Um, got a great price on everything. And I was called a couple of buddies that wear suits. I'm like, hey, you interested in a custom suit? And um, so three or four of them ended up buying something. I think I charged them 300 bucks. Or so when did you find time to call China and find a manufacturer when you're over here <laughs> selling every day? This. And oh, by the way, we're still selling <laughs> <laughs> medical sets. Shit. Yeah, it's, it's funny, man. I, I've been through a lot. I was looking through my emails last night because we have some evolution happening now. I was looking at emails at 2016, 2017, 2018, and the, the shit we've been through is... <laughs> yeah, is I can only imagine. Like, it's wild. It's so cool. Um, it's humbling, man. It's like, it just shows you, like, just work your ass off. I mean, I literally just saw your Instagram where you were, set, you were, showing, so, you were showing something where last it was like night, you yeah. handwriting or whatever it yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so... Um, yeah, I went to Google, started figuring out how do you, how do you broker, how do you make suits, all that stuff, find factories. And, um, I had a couple clients in the beginning and they were friends of mine. So I was like, all right, cool. Let's, let's see what we can do. Started doing that. Then the next goal was, all right, well, I'm getting my free suits now that are paid for from other people. I'm not paying out of pocket. Maybe I can pay my car this month with selling suits on the side. So the next goal came to, can I sell $500 worth of profit a month? to, to um, you know, to cover my car. And then that slowly started growing. And, you know, then it was like, can I make a thousand bucks a month? Um, you know, and then you, you don't realize like, yeah, you're making. Are you still, you're still obviously making the, the necktie. Yep. So cover. I'm still doing the neckties. I'm still doing the custom suits. Did then, you at least offload the manufacturing? No, to- I was still doing that at the time. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think you had that over in China with the suit makers. So it was, they didn't speak English in China. So to have that product. Yeah. Not to question your story, but it seemed like you fucked up there. You probably should have outsourced. <laughs> I, I could, man. I, I tried. Yeah. You, because it was too custom. It, 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 well, dude, when I, I couldn't talk to the manufacturer on the phone because they're the fact factory that I found their English was so bad that when they would call me, I would just have to hang up because I could, everything was done through uh, oh. Skype. Okay. So I didn't, there was no way that I could teach them how to make this. I didn't know anything about tech packs or anything. Yeah. And so you weren't going to be able to teach them how to yeah. do, make your custom Correct. neck tie cover. Especially yeah. Right. They all yeah. Vary. And, and I was also concerned about sending a product like that to China because I knew it would get knocked off, which mm-hmm. it has gotten knocked off since I've sent it. Um, so there was a couple schools of thought yeah. there was like, I just want to protect this in-house for now. I don't, I'm not selling thousands of these. So if I have to get 50 to a hundred and crank those out, all right, it'll take yeah. me a couple of days. To do I just that. keep going back to how hard it would be to navigate all of this essentially alone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Super fascinating. Keep going. Cause no, this, I is, appreciate this is that, awesome. Man. Um, yeah, I don't talk about this stuff a lot cause we're so far down the road. So that's why I enjoy rehashing all this yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, so so it's so good. I can't even like dive into questions because no, it's, it's so I good. I got, yeah, I'm like, keep going. Yeah, yeah. No, like, feel free to, yeah. to stop. Keep, keep spitting. I yeah. love My it. mind's kind of all over the place. Um, yeah, so so started getting some suits made, manufactured over there, bringing them in. Started making a little bit of extra cash on the side, but I was also I was not a numbers guy, which I know you. That's such an important thing in business. Now I understand that. So I'd sell a suit, not really realize the alteration costs, um, the remake situation. Um, and then the biggest issue was, again, the communication. Like, I'd have to, it, it would take five hours sometimes 
So that's a, a 9 p.m. till 2, 3 a.m. situation to get one answer because of the language barrier, mm-hmm. because we were only communicating either Skype, WhatsApp, or um, email. And then the lady that I was working with, um, she she had to go from her home to her factory. And she, I mean, I found out after the fact, I mean, they I didn't realize a lot of the culture in manufacturing over there, but they live at the facility. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the gal that I worked with had a, had a baby at the time. So she would leave her baby with her family, who was a newborn, and come to the factory to take care of orders oh, and stuff. It was it was crazy. And I tried sending her extra money on the side, but the Chinese government, there's we, we experienced some really unique stuff from um, them shutting us down from a communication standpoint a few times. They shut the VPN off, and then all of a sudden I can't communicate to our factory. Um, so, so yeah, we, we had a bunch of hiccups and issues there because saying to somebody, this doesn't fit, I want to know why because I don't have a background. So I could, when I'd have a client that had a suit that didn't fit, I didn't know how I didn't know how to change that. Mm-hmm. So I had to rely on these Chinese manufacturers. You try to communicate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, correct. So then it was like I didn't know if it was an alterations issue. I didn't know if it was a manufacturing issue. I don't know if it was a customer just being a pain in the ass issue and and not being truthful about a situation. Um, so the the beginning year year and a half was was it was crippling for sure. Uh, we just kept sticking with it. You know that was 2015. Um, I would imagine you were technically operating at a loss obviously uh, all of your of yeah and losing money no plus your time yep yeah. and i had no clue yeah um so that's 2015 time frame had both the proper knot and the suits kind of scaling at that time i connected with a gentleman that with the tribune review newspaper um, his name was justin is, is justin labar and he worked at i went to point park for college but he had a, a radio show or a television show online. And Twitter, he had like 30,000 followers all focused on that wrestling community. He would do a lot of the events. Uh, WWE had a good relationship with him, so they would give him some access. One of my buddies was like, hey, I work at the Trib with this guy. You should reach out to him and see if he'd wear the prop or not on, on his show. Mm-hmm. So from January of 15 all through you know 2015 and 16, Every Thursday, he would wear the prop or not. And I was like, this is cool. So him and I built up a friendship. This is where the suits meet, where the journey really began, was October of 2015. um, He randomly called me and was like, hey, he goes, WWE is coming to Pittsburgh. Um, It was October, October 2015. WWE was coming to Pittsburgh. And he's like, I'm really good friends with one of the wrestlers, Titus O'Neil. And Titus loves suits. He wears them all the time. Super flashy gentleman. And um, he's like, would you want to meet with him? And uh, absolutely, yeah let's, yeah, let's meet. So I remember going to the Marriott next to the uh, arena, and I was supposed to meet him at like 9.30 p.m. He was coming in from Buffalo, um, and he doesn't get there until almost midnight. So I'm just sitting in the lobby with a book of fabric, and I'm wearing my suit just wiped out. Because um, I, I was like, shit, I got to go home, and I got to so pro- uh, Probably a little on. nervous, <laughs> right? I'm like, super yeah. nervous. Yeah. Super yeah. nervous. It was the first, like, real big athlete or celebrity I had ever met. Yeah. Um, he gets in there and keep in mind when he walks in, he's six foot seven, six foot six, 280 pounds. It's 1230 at night after traveling to Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's just, sometimes he's a quiet dude and he was quiet as hell when he got there. And I was like, Oh dude, this sucks. Yeah, probably giving you no feedback. Yeah. I have no idea how yep. this is going. Like, yep. Yeah. So, so we go up to his hotel room and I show him a couple fabrics. I'm measuring and I'm shaking a little bit. <laughs> I'm trying to press over his shoulders who are just, he's just built like a it's freaking mass, yeah. massive man. And I'm like, I don't know if this is even going to fit him like so he picked out 10 suits um at that time i gave him all 10 suits at my cost and i was like like hey i just i appreciate this i want to take care of you he's like dude no no problem like let's see what we can do here and see what happens so i leave um about a month later the the 10 suits come in i ship it to him when at at that moment where you feel when you left right because a lot of that i'm sure is rapport right obviously you were super nervous but clearly knowing where you're at now you hit it off. Sure. You had to have hit it off somehow, yep, right? Maybe. Sure. Have, did you feel that at that moment, or it was like, did you leave her thinking I am so fucked? No, I, I, I was like, this guy's a cool dude. Okay, so like, you guys, yeah, so you felt it a little bit right away. For sure, he yeah. was. A, he's Titus is a great, great guy. We don't do any work together. Um, it, it never worked out, and I'll dive into that situation as well. But he is a great human being. He wanted to just help me. Um, so this, the ten suits come in a month later, and I send it to him, and then he calls me. I'm, I'm in a. Uh, um, a demo demoing a piece of medical equipment in Greensburg 
I get a call from him, and then the doctor's looking at me. I'm, there's a patient on the machine. I'm like, hey, doc, my mom's calling me. I got to step out and take this. Something's going on. So the technician handled the rest of that demo, and then I stepped out, and it was Titus. So he's giving me, hey, you know, no big deal. We need a couple changes, blah, blah, blah. So, that shit don't fit me at all. It was pretty bad. <laughs> it, actually, yeah. I take that back. It wasn't terribly bad. He His expectations on what a suit should do just were different, and he likes to wear his stuff a little bigger. I like to have a nice tailored suit. So it was a miscommunication on expectations is really what it was. Um, and he wanted to be able That's to fair. lift his hands straight up in the air, which if you're going to build a custom suit, you're to have something fit, you're never going to be able to do that and not feel the jacket. So yeah. expectations just didn't align, which was my, my fault. Build it for how the client wants it, right? Um, so I was like, no big deal. Let me alter them. Sends them back, alter them, send them back to him again. Still don't fit. I'm like, well, there's no nothing else I could do. Let me just reorder 10 more suits. So I reorder 10 more suits, go through this process again. Couldn't fix them. Couldn't and now at this them. point, you're eating all the costs of all this. Getting getting hammered. Yeah. And then happens again. And then it happens Shit, again. Shit, I better go sell some more medical devices. <laughs> wow. So this, this was, I, I ripped through 40 suits before I said, before I said, oh, I should just make one and see if it fits. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that was the thing that I, again, not having a mentor. Yeah, I, was yeah, like, oh. I didn't even realize. Yeah, why not just make one? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I finally then made one and we made it close enough where it was wearable. And it, he looked awesome. Every suit he ever had, I still stand by. He looked great. I think it was just a uh, again difference of want and need and yeah. expectations. But dude, that education you got for that cost phew. couldn't have got it anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, at the time for how big he is, dude, it might have been probably the largest person yeah. too oh, on top yeah. of that. And you're still learning the manufacturing process. You're still learning all that. Yeah. So to like nail that is, it's going to be difficult. Probably learning and it's also yeah. learning mindset, right? The customer yeah. service side of like. Yeah. Right. Shout out Titus, but like this fucking asshole, like these oh, yeah. suits fit him. They're fine. He's I'm not, picky. I got to go buy 10 more. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And that, that was a, that was a trouble for me was I was like, man, like what don't, how do you not see this? Like you look fucking great. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Um, I'd fuck you. <laughs> dude, it, it, he looked so good and I'm still so proud of that. And, um, so it was frustrating, but the cool thing about it was, man, three months after that, this was January of 2016. He was like, David, I want you to book a flight and I want you to travel with WWE. And I'm gonna. I was the. It was um, Royal Rumble in Orlando, and then that was a Sunday. Then Monday was um, in Miami for Monday Night Raw, and then at that time SmackDown was on Tuesdays. So we did a loop to Tampa. So I flew in on a. Uh, well, I was supposed to fly in on a Sunday for that, and then do that loop with him. And I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. So yeah, here goes David, the excited, excited entrepreneur. <laughs> I book a flight, uh, 11 a.m. out of... Uh, he basically uh, just said to you, though, after all of that, 40 suits, yep. basically you shit the bed yep. completely. It's, hey, I'm going to come sell you to all of my friends yep. in the in the WWE world. I still want to help you. Yeah. It was cool. He's, he's a good, That's good awesome. dude, man. That's really um, cool. So then I get excited, and I hire a driver to drive me out to Latrobe to fly from Latrobe to Orlando, get to the Royal Rumble dream of my life you know i got work this week that i'm supposed to travel i just said screw it i'm gonna just do this i get the, the latrobe airport and i'm like flying out of pittsburgh airport <laughs> <laughs> this sucks so i asked the driver i'm like dude can you just take drive me back i was like i gotta find another flight to see if i could fly out of pittsburgh so another 500 dollars, 400 dollars out the door um so instead of getting there at 3 p.m i got there at like 8 30 so i missed the start of everything it was such a kick in the ass uh. Uh, super embarrassing. I just told him some other bullshit. I just lied about it. Yeah, um, yeah you got to that. I, I was like, I'm not bringing yeah. this negativity here. Yeah. Uh, but, dude, the first night there, I got to meet uh, uh, Rick Ross. I got to meet Wale. Um, the Rock was there. Um, so I was like, holy shit. What is it like? What was it like an after, like a pre-party? They were or just like? backstage, man. Okay, so you just, so you just said to come hang out with me, like, yeah. basically. Yeah, so I, yes. I, I connected with that. I parked in the, in the athlete lot. He walked me in the back door of the arena. Uh, I got to hang out backstage with everybody. He literally walked around the locker room and was, hey, this is my suit guy. Buy off him. Hey, this is the suit guy. Buy off him. Um, and in three days, I sold 52 suits to nine wow. different athletes. Super cool. Wow, that's and amazing. It was crazy, man. And and what was awesome, like Titus, he, I drove his car. He slept because he was just wiped out. You know, you leave the you left uh, Orlando at midnight. You got a three-hour, four-hour drive to four-hour drive to Miami for Monday Night Raw. You get in it. Yeah, I'll drive, bro. You take a nap. <laughs> yeah, it was. Let me keep selling suits to your buddies. <laughs> it, it was wild because I gotta make these suits. <laughs> yeah, I gotta be hand sewing them in the back. Can I, I sleep? <laughs> it was wild because like 
it was the first experience with that celebrity role too, and we were driving down the highway. And there was I mean, it's not like you grew up hanging out with celebrities all day either. Like None. your normal ass dude from Pittsburgh went to school, yeah. got fired from a bunch of jobs, and yeah. all of a sudden, like that, you're on WWE tour. Yeah, yeah, man, that's probably like it, was it had to be overwhelming, right? Yeah. Like just especially super nervous, have, and especially to have the support from him and then how instantly we hit it off with the rest of the the group yeah um but it was wild because like they're on the on the drive down stop at a gas station you have fans following us um you know i mean you have the same people i saw at every single event following athlete it was it was such an eye-opening like holy shit and then at the same time you realize how hard that is for the wwe wrestlers and the stuff that they go through yeah. like that i mean they put a lot of effort into that yeah. um but yeah we so we did that loop um and that was the start of it man i came home from that trip and i said I should probably open up a bank account and see if I could grow a business here. Uh, so January 29th of 2016 is when I opened up, um, opened up David Allen clothing, got my first bank account with that. Um, and the next thing was how, how big can we take this? Um, fast forward, Titus got interviewed on ESPN and he did, uh, I posted every now and again, the, the highlight story. It's uh, him in a clip with Jonathan coachman when he was at ESPN at the time, and uh, Jonathan Coachman opens up and says, hey, you know, you're one of the most stylish wrestlers in the WWE. How do you do it? Who helps you? And nice. then Titus yeah. just straight up, I got two guys. One is David Allen out of Pittsburgh. And then the other one is the gentleman in Tampa. And um, my boss ended up seeing that. Uh, started looking into everything that was happening. <laughs> oh, we got fired again. Yeah. And um, I remember, man, the one day I got, a, I got an email um, from the boss of my company. who, who he. So let me preface this. Uh, mid 2015, I left that first company that I got the big money with because I didn't want to ruin the rep, my reputation there. I, they, tr they, they gave me a life changing opportunity. Um, that product, I was starting to suffer a little bit cause I just wasn't focused on it. So I, was, I wasn't performing. So out of, out of appreciation for them, I said, I'm going to leave this company and go work at one of their competitors. So I took a job over there, not caring what would happen they knew that I had this side business going at the time because one of the guys that also left my company told them. But when they hired me, I said, I'm not stopping this. Like, I am going to keep doing this, but it will always be on the side. So he already had his alert for yeah. me. On but you also cared a lot less at that point correct. about them as you did your... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so I remember, man, um, I get an email from from my old boss and he emailed the president of the company and he had a uh, an attachment of my uh, phone records. And then also these email correspondence that said, you know, Joe, I just want to let you know that David said on this date he was in Pittsburgh working really hard and refer to his email below. If you look at the cell phone tower that he hit, he was in Manhattan. He was in uh, uh, Connecticut for WWE. He was in Miami. Wow. And my heart just sank. They pulled yeah. phone records? Oh, yeah, man. It wow. had the, dude, it had every cell phone tower. Yeah, at that point, your boss was out to get you, clearly, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was a bit much. He was ready to get me get me out of there. And that company, they had more of a pharma mentality. Dude, I'm just annoying as hell, by the way. It's like, okay, why don't you just give me a call and say, Spill, spill yeah, your yeah. guts, call the president, and we can move on. Why are you going to be an asshole and put all this in an that's email? Like, oh, you really like, got me. Like, dude, it's dudes like that are douchebags. That dude, that's thing, that, shit out. that dude's probably living some jack-off life. He's a miserable yeah. piece of shit. You know he's what a, I mean? He's, he's one of them people. He, he, was always, he was always like that that guy that would tell on you. He was that type of Even when yeah. I worked for him, I never liked him, yeah. and I had that feeling. But pharmaceutical sales. It's just sales, such a lack of an abundance mindset, right? Yeah. Like, you should be happy for you. You should want you to get yours. Like, yeah. How can I? Like, I just hate people like no, that. No, yeah. I was still performing for them, which was crazy. I wasn't like a top rep. I, I was in the middle of the pack. Yeah, you were doing enough. But I mean, clearly, right? Superstar entrepreneurs that are really, really good. You at 40%, like you're better than most of the people that go in the industry, yeah. 90, 100%. Like it's just a fact of reality. It's sure. just you're mentally not into it. Therefore, it eventually starts to slip. And oh, by the way, we're just off here sewing, sewing, uh, <laughs> sewing, sewing neckties, sewing suits to well, WWE stars. To, yeah, you probably had something to... Employees looking decent. Yeah, for sure. I'm, sure. I'm sure they were all buying off you at that point. Yeah, we we had a couple. With the, I tried keeping that separate. Um, okay. The old company that I worked for, I was selling to those guys because they were they were true friends of mine. Yeah, they were buddies. This yeah. group, I just never really fit in with them because I was always the outcast coming from a, a true big medical company where that was more of a pharmaceutical-minded company, and that's like a big brother-type mindset. Pharma med, getting after yeah, it. Yeah, bro. It was, 
with that, they just didn't get along, man. It was just two different, two different beasts. Um, I can sell medical advice to better than you can sell a pharmaceutical <laughs> device. Yeah. We always called the uh, former reps like glorified paper routes. Okay. That was kind of our, our shade to them because all they had to do was go get signatures. I was like, that's nothing, man. Um, and they weren't making the money we were making either. So it was a nice little nod to like, yeah, move yeah, on. These little thing. bitches. <laughs> um, yeah. So April, man, I got April 1st, 2016. Right around that time frame, the NFL Combine was in Indianapolis. So at that point, I didn't know I was fired. I knew I was in a lot of trouble. Um, so I was driving out to Indianapolis in the company car. And um, all of a sudden, like 930, I tried using my cell phone and it just didn't work. I was like, oh, shit, like something happened here. Yeah, so you were still basically you were you were running this business off of assets that were your current employers so like cell phone yeah. the car yeah for sure i still had my own stuff too but i just yeah, used but, theirs yeah. um and i was and i was supposed to the the friday i was leaving for the combine i was supposed to have a conference call at 9 a.m with my boss and the and the and the president of the company and i was just like nah not jumping on that call so you just <laughs> so, missed it so i just didn't even go on the call yeah. And I drove out to Indianapolis on the way out there, phone shuts off, all that stuff. Um, I get home and then I'm like, all right, cool. Nothing happened yet. I don't have any emails. Well, then the next day I get a, a knock at the door and FedEx had an overnight letter that I was terminated. Um, so I packed everything up nice, all the, the computer, my cell phone, and put it in a nice David Allen box and shipped it right back to him. <laughs> so that was my ode to him saying, like, all right, man. I get it. Yeah. It's all good. No so let's go. Here. So now we're off to the races. Huh? Yeah. How much were you counting on that? that income at that time or was that probably the best thing that happened i was counting on every bit of it because i was paycheck to paycheck making two hundred thousand dollars a year okay because i just you know six months pre previous to that or uh well a year previous well, yeah he's getting his ass handed to him making suits sentence 40 to one dude yeah well yeah no yeah, i was right. i sold 52 so i was one <laughs> yeah, right. at that time we make were up some ground we were selling suits man our product was shitty so we were selling it was good but it was not a it's not what we have now yeah um we were selling suits for 500 bucks so you sell suit for five hundred bucks. You're, you know, you're, you're my cost at that was I don't know two fifty. Yeah, so nice. Then you morning. throw alterations into there. Now you're down to a hundred dollar profit. Okay. And then you remake that. Now you're you're yeah. minus two hundred dollars in the hole. And you're right? building a business. You're yeah. 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 You're just learning it. Yeah. You were you're, uh, you're hooking the customers up just yeah, so you build sure. that reputation. So. Yeah. You as, take a free shirt. Take as they this. say on Shark Tank, right? When that happened, you were all in. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So I mean, yeah. At that point, man, I was like. I just got to keep this thing going so that I, the, the day after I got my letter, I called my financial advisor and I'm like, Hey man, like I got $180,000 on my 401k. Like, what's the deal with this? Got to get it, take it out. How do I get it? I was like, I'm not getting another job at this point. Like I'm too close to figuring this shit out. Like I want, I want, I want to run it and I want to see what I could do. I was like, mathematically, whatever the penalty was on that. All right, cool. This should last me two years. No big deal. All right, that should be enough time. If I can't get two years from this point, then, get a job. then I'm done. That lasted six months. Because um, now we started getting, business was getting busier. Hey, you've got to live, plus you're trying to grow a business. Yeah, yeah that's takes funding, capital. Man. Yeah, that's yeah. funding. Yeah. yeah. That's and what I, I mean. Like you were clear, like you were losing, you had to be losing money yeah. still, like at the business. And you was probably all joined and everything at the time because, yep. you know, you weren't a natural accountant, right? And understanding yeah. all that. So it's, Probably scary as shit. Yeah. And my, my dad always said early on, and I, I should have listened to him, but um, he's like, you got to know your numbers. Know your numbers. Know your numbers. I was like, dad, if I don't have a business, my numbers don't mean anything, which makes sense. That's a good argument. I mean, look, it's, it's hand in hand is what I would say. Obviously, I'm, a, I'm an accountant, right. so I'm, a, I'm biased to one side. But I, I see your point. I mean, yeah. I'd look at him. He doesn't know. He's literally never even in four years looked at a bank account. Yeah. Like, well, that's the answer to it, right? Find a partner that stares course, at them. Of course, yeah. <laughs> when we partnered, I had I just stopped looking at the bank account. I get <laughs> it, man. It's pointless for us both to stare at them. So yeah. yeah. He knew that. Um, yeah. yeah, so I was just like, man, let's roll it. So, um, you know, that's mid-2016. Um, at that point, I was just tagging along to WWE at pretty much every event. Uh, I'd sit backstage with them. You know, I started getting connected with other celebrities, other athletes, uh, September of 2016, I was sitting backstage in Pittsburgh, um, and uh, Cena, John Cena, walks into the, the catering room. We're all I have all my fabric set up. There's TVs in there, so you could watch the the match on stage. The wrestlers are eating before they wrestle. Their wives, girlfriends, families, some fans are backstage in the catering area. And I look over and Cena's walking towards me, and he's like, he goes, "Heard, heard you're the suit guy." And I was like, uh, yeah, man, uh, night, night, you know, David Allen, nice You're, to meet uh, you. Pucker up a little bit. but <laughs> <laughs> He was, um, 
he was one of the ones that I met that I was like, all right, like there, there was just an allure about him, the yeah. presence. Yeah. He he has his own space when he goes there. Uh, he doesn't he 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 mixes and mingles with everybody, but he's he's either at his RV outside by himself, uh, or he's in his own little private changing room by himself. So he's treated a little differently um, than a lot of the guys. Um, it was intimidating. He took me yeah. to this little 10 by 10 room, set out my measuring tape, my fabric. And at that point, our product was like, I'm going to measure and hope it comes back good. I don't know. Um, so I was like, this is like an opportunity. Fake it till you make it still at that point, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, I pretended like I had this successful business, this great company. Um, yeah, and, and he was like, I'll, I'll try one. And I was like, all right, let, let's do it for sure. Measured him, shaking a little bit, man. You, 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 there's some some nerves kicking in at that oh, point because yeah. uh, I saw him as an opportunity to grow the business mm -hmm. pretty heavily. Um, yeah, you and him, it's kind of like that staple, that 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 stamp in the ground of like, I can fucking do this. This is real. Yeah. Type of, yeah. yeah and especially because, you know, he started wearing suits at that time. He, he didn't have great style in the beginning, um, and his suit game has changed drastically. Um but yeah, that was like my. Who are we giving credit to that for? Yeah. <laughs> I actually came in to help out there. Um, yeah, so that was my. All right, let's see. So, dude, three weeks pass. I'm like, John, I, your stuff came in. Where do you want me to send it to? Sends me his address. Send it to him. I'm expecting total nightmare. And he's like, the first thing he says, well, well done. A couple minor tweaks, but we're good here. Let's order some more. And I was like, all right, cool. Nice. Um, nice. Like, so I, I, you didn't, <laughs> behind the scenes, you didn't say, all right, cool. You're like, <laughs> I'm throwing up back. <laughs> yeah. What does he want? How bad is this? Yeah. Um, but he's like, hey, I want to make a quarter inch length on the sleeve. I want to shorten this a quarter inch. Like all the most minor things ever. I just, I couldn't believe it happened the way that it happened. Um, all signs were that it shouldn't happen that way. Because uh, it was so spotty with manufacturing. We were still working with China at that point. Um so yeah, man, we we hit a hit hit it off, man, and then um, at that point we he was working with five other um, uh, clothing companies. People were giving him free suits. I never never gave him a free gave him one free suit for his wedding last year. Um, I did the entire wedding party That's four or five years in. Right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, he's done so much for me from uh, letting me use him his name, image, all that stuff for for my brand. Uh, so that was more of a man. I want to do this as a thank you for all all you've done for me. Um, He's purchased uh, over 400 suits off me since 2016. Wow. Congratulations! Thank you. That's yeah, it's been a it's been a game changer. Um, a lot of suits. Yeah. How yeah. does a dude do with 400 suits? How many do you have? Uh, 75 or so. Yeah. Something like. And I, I yeah, about 75. What do you do with 75 suits? Uh, yeah. What is it? What does John Cena do with 400 suits? That's over a year's worth of suits. Yeah, I think he. I think he just. You know, you can't be seen too often when some of the louder stuff. So once he yeah. makes a public appearance in some capacity, he's kind of got to scrap it. Um, yeah, I mean, after I met with John, everything really started uh, started moving. Um, I got two contracts with uh, WWE and KFC, where I turned um, Colonel Sanders, um, Shawn Michaels, and Ric Flair into Colonel Sanders. So I had two insane projects with that. The the time I did with uh, Shawn Michaels was the one of the worst experiences of my life from a can you pull this off standpoint? Essentially, this was at the time Ric Flair had a health condition where he almost died. He was supposed to be the first Colonel Sanders that I worked with. Mm. Well, he he had the issue where he was almost, he was going to potentially pass away. So a week before the event, they needed it for SummerSlam or one of those events. They're like, hey, uh, can you still fly out here? And we need to take that suit and convert that into for Shawn Michaels. So I had about a seven-day window um, to, to make this happen. I'm on a flight getting a call from WWE. They're like, do you have your sewing machine with you? And I'm like, I don't take it with me. I was like, yeah, I have it. I'm good. <laughs> I had no idea how I was going to pull this off. Um, and from a time standpoint, essentially, um, somehow it worked out. Um, uh, suit arrives on a Saturday. The event is Sunday. It was the wrong color. Um, I went to 12 different Michael's stores through Manhattan, ended up uh, trying to bleach the suit in my hotel room. So I had bleach, rubber gloves, spray paint all in my hotel room. A couple dead bodies. <laughs> uh, left it in the hall, um, ended up spraying the, 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 the suit, getting it to, to WWE on Sunday about two hours before the event. Somehow it worked out, but then it was too big. So then I had to try and find a tailor in Brooklyn on a Sunday when everybody's closed. And they, um, they, don't, they only worked with people that they, that they did did suits for they didn't want to alter anything so i find one guy in manhattan take the suit to him i'm like hey i need these alterations to take place 
And I was like, I need it as soon as possible. And he's like, how's Tuesday? And I was like, how's an hour from now? <laughs> um, <laughs> thankfully, that gentleman, man, he pulled it off, get the suit, take an Uber to, to Brooklyn for the uh, at the Barclays Center, drop the suit off, had his first presentation of delivering the suit to Shawn Michaels, and it was a home run. We're going to have to dive into that story another time. I'm going to have to... We're going to have to pull some magic here to get you back down here for a, for a part two of this whole thing. <laughs> for sure. You know, in the interest of time, right? Like, where, so where are you at now, bro? Like, what you got going on now? What's, what's, what's 23 looking like? What's the, big, what's the big news we all need to know about? Yeah, so we're, um, I got a handful of things. We're revitalizing the proper knot. We're actually changing the name um, from an SEO purpose standpoint. Um, there's 300,000 searches of how do you tie a necktie a month, and there's zero searches of a fake necktie knot. So we're rebranding the proper knot to fit that SEO uh, request and need. And I think we could Genius. really polish that. Um, we're going to try to get some licensing deals with the NFL and sport, sports organizations where we can actually put the logo of that business or that corporation in the center of a necktie um, front and center for a branding and advertising wow. standpoint. Genius. Uh, we, we are launching um, and what well, we have launched and we have a big push for this year's uh, uh, flex fabric suit. So the stuff that I'm actually wearing is, hundred percent stretch. It's like Lululemon style suiting. Um, and I have another business that I'm starting with that. So it's all ready to wear or light custom from a fit standpoint, lower price point product. Uh, we're looking for, um, uh, so for the record, I've got my Lululemon on right now and I placed an order for your, for your, your nice. what, what do you, what are you calling it again? What, uh, flex fabric, your flex fabric, right? So I placed an order for your flex fabric as well. I don't think awesome. it's in yet. I'm still, yeah, we, all it. those are starting to trickle yeah. in this week and next week. So nice. we'll have that to you soon. Nice. Cool. Um, yeah. So we have that. We're looking for a new storefront. Um, we're looking for an expansion outside of Pittsburgh. We have a team of four just in Pittsburgh right now. Uh, 2023 is going to be a massive growth year for us. We grew about 100% from 2021 to 2022, uh, looking at doing the same percentage growth. What do you, what do you think is the biggest challenge is going to be here for you on that growth in 2023? Um, I think for us is, is the, for the custom side is finding the people that are willing to work and do it. You know, our top sales reps make over $200,000 a year selling suits, which is crazy, but people don't want to work and put the work in. So we've just struggled with um, finding good people that want to be a part of this. Because we work with so many celebrities and athletes, people think it's just easy. Like, mm -hmm. You still got to work and sell. Like you got to put some put some effort into this. There's, it's not easy, yeah. but it's a fun freaking opportunity and job. Yeah, um, right. People, even just you, right? People see you on a on a post on social media or whatever, hanging out with scene or whatever. It's like, no, this dude has grinded up and be able to yeah. even have a chance to do that kind of thing. You know? Yeah, I mean, two thousand. I show everybody all the time, but two thousand seventeen. My bank account was negative eighty six dollars and forty cents, and then this yeah. hand um, you can't really see, but it's in Arabic. It says a hundred thousand. So I told Krista because she's Lebanese and she always talks about uh, the uh, Lebanese culture, and I was like, if you ever do over a hundred thousand in one month, I'll get a hundred thousand in Arabic tattooed on my arm. So opposite side of when I was completely broke, um, she kills it for you. Huh? Yeah, she's, she's, she's awesome. She's, she's awesome. She, no, thank you. I appreciate all the yeah, support. She's man. amazing. She's been uh, she's been that missing piece that I needed to get out of the day to day to really grow this thing, and that's why I'm. She took on a bigger role other than just selling. She's running everything for me now. Yeah, so I'm out of the day to day from a fitting standpoint. Then we have Jesse and Joseph, uh, who are doing really well for us now. Um, you know, and then I have a marketing agency as well that you know we do all the marketing for Mayweather boxing clinics across the country. Oh, really? And I we didn't just know picked that. up that. We're slowly adding four or five locations on every other week. Um, yeah, we. we uh, we I see the advertising for that. Oh, nice, man. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I thank see, you. I see that here locally every now and again. Yeah, yeah. We're we're uh, we're excited, man. Uh, we've been crushing it in the logistics space. Um, so, do you have? A, do you are you working with different people on that, or is that you? And so, I have uh, um, two business partners. I'm the third, okay. so we each have a 33. Um, percent Both of those guys. One comes from the agency space, so he's a creative director. Uh, he was responsible. He was on the team where uh, Starkist came out with the, the tearaway pouch. Okay. So he was on kind of the d design uh, side of that. And the other gentleman, uh, he left GNC 10 years ago to join a supplement company for Ronnie Coleman. Was employee number three, grew at the 16 million. Called both of them during the pandemic and said, hey, like, let's let's get after it. And um, that's why we launched a, a mass company during the pandemic. And we did about $2 million in sales in about 12 weeks um, at nine ninety nine a clip, which was pretty crazy. So, yeah. Yeah, pays the bills. Yeah, it was it was a game changer for us. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. you did that fast. I just rem I remember you coming out. I've seen I've seen them everywhere. Yeah. Like within a month. Yeah. Like it was insane. Everybody had a mask on. Had one of your masks. Yeah. So before I get into the the final question, right? Because I because I want to I want to ask you this on the 
on camera so that everybody sees it. Yeah. Are you down to do a part two? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Okay. We'll get you back in here to do a part two because there's a lot I want to dive into and everything you said. Sure. Yeah. Dive into the COVID piece with the mask, dive into marketing, dive into, I mean, literally probably a hundred questions I want to ask you through your whole story, which was absolutely incredibly amazing. Really looking forward to continue to follow you in 2023. I like to kind of end it, uh, at least now we're going to do this twice. So you, yeah. you can, you can do it twice, but What's the best advice, you know, you could give hustling entrepreneurs that are out there right now or even business people or whatever, anyone out there that, that is, has a chance to turn this on, what kind of advice are you going to give them? Yeah, I think there's, um, I get asked that a lot. There's a couple of things that I always say is um, give yourself a time frame and be fair, three years, four years, five years, um, where you're going to commit to doing it every single day, seven days a week, every free second you possibly have to build something. Um, treat people well, be respectful, provide a good product, a good service, and do what's right throughout the whole thing. Um, whatever happens at that point will happen. Um, don't, don't, don't let your ego get in the, the way. Make mistakes. Learn from those mistakes. Uh, education through mistakes is the best, most valuable thing you could possibly have. My darkest times, 2017, man, I took a life insurance policy out. I wanted, wanted to die. Um, had some really difficult situations and um, there were times where I'd just carelessly drive my car around because I just wanted it to end but I also knew like just keep going like just keep freaking going and you'll be fine and um, at the end of the day the what you learn as a human being is it trumps all business anything like what you learn about character who you are resilience whether you make it or not like it, it's going to add value to your life but um, you know timing I'm lucky I, it's not all skill like I'm lucky a lot of luck to be in the position that I am right. People entering my life, the right um, support systems coming in, be, meeting people like you guys who have options to buy off other people, but you choose to support us. Um, we can't be doing this without you guys. So like tr treating people right along the way is the biggest key. I can say so much, so much to take from that yeah. man. Really just, yeah. nice. I think the world is much better off, uh, you know, having you here and the, the trials and tribulations that you've had and, ability to kind of speak to that and, and let other people hear that is it's uh, amazing i'm really 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 looking forward to a part two i want to dive a lot more into that mindset yeah, piece of sure. things and we're gonna have to figure out how to collaborate even more here because i you know we just so much synergies in the way that you you talk you act you think uh, it's just it's just amazing lastly where can we find you man yeah i appreciate it man um pretty much all my social media is david allen style um and allen is spelled a-l-a-n so david allen clothing is our website uh, dot com. David Allen styles my Instagram, uh, Twitter. I don't really do anything on there. And then Facebook's just David Allen. So uh, anything along those lines, you'll be able to find me pretty easily there. Cool. Appreciate it. The, uh, and the suits that this guy's putting out are absolutely incredible. It's not, it's not a marketing thing. It's not the celebs or anything like that, that he has all that is amazing, but I do have his suits. I do wear them. I know Brian does. Uh, Brian has even more than me. He's been been uh, following you and buying your stuff a lot longer than high. We we have our, our company does so uh, it's the real deal. Get yourself out there, buy his suits, um, follow him. It's incredible what he's doing. So appreciate having you, brother. Thank you, guys, man. Continued success. Time.